Good morning. How are we doing today, Summit Church? Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. How are we doing today, Summit Church? Good. Good. It's great to see you. My name is Mel Massingale. I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit. I am so glad you're worshiping with us today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for making time to worship with us today. Um, if you are a guest with us today, if this is your first time, I want to encourage you. There's a card that looks like this one in the seat back in front of you. If you would, take just a moment, uh, fill this card out for us, and then at the conclusion of our worship experience today, stop by our info center. It's out in the lobby on your right-hand side near the cafe. Stop by there. Uh, give this card to them. They're going to answer any question you might have about the summit, and then they're also going to give you a free gift. It's one of our coffee mugs. It's got our logo, but it also has our, our vision statement. It says, every life made different. That is why we exist, and that's why we do what we do. Um, it is not just to have a church, but it's to see lives transformed for the power and glory of God. So uh, if you're a guest with us today, again, thank you so much for being here. I pray that God blesses you. I also want to welcome all of you that are watching online at summittogether.com. No matter where you are, how you're joining us today, thank you for making the summit a part of your day. So thank you for worshiping with us. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. I pray that God blesses you wherever you are. Um, let me hit a couple of things before we jump into our message today. Um, I mentioned this last week, but Easter's coming up. It's a big season for us. We always have a lot of things going on during the Easter season. Uh, it starts on March the 19th for us. That is our annual Easter outreach, and we're going to have uh, about 30,000 Easter eggs between two locations. One is at Ben Franklin. The other is at East Pike Elementary. And so we want you to be a part of this. There's several ways you could be a part, by attending, by inviting, or by serving. And, and really, you could probably do all three of those if you wanted to badly enough. And if you're interested, you can stop by. Uh, there's a table out in the lobby that's near our info center just to the right of the main doors. And Steph McCoy will be down there. She would love to visit with you and connect with you in regards to the Easter outreach. Uh, so if you've got questions of any kind, if you want to help us promote it by putting a yard sign up or whatever it is, stop by there. She'll get you connected to that. The following weekend then is Easter. Um, and so that's March the 26th and 27th, and there are cards like this one all over the place. Take a bunch of them with you, because Easter is that one time of year that even the people that never go to church, they got a little bit of guilt, and they're going to go to church. And what they think is bringing them to church is guilt, but really it's the Holy Spirit. When they get here, we're going to give them a gospel message, and we're going to see a whole bunch of people's lives transformed for the, for the glory of Jesus that day. And so we want you to be here, but we want you to invite everybody you know. Invite a bunch of people that weekend. So we've got five services Easter weekend. It's Saturday night at 5 p.m., Saturday night at 6.30, and then Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And so what we would like you to do, you're going to love this, is we want you to come to one of the off-peak services. So if you would consider coming to the 8 a.m. service, that would be fantastic. We're going to have full child care, full kids ministry. Uh, everything is the same at every one of our worship experiences that weekend. So we want you, if you normally come to the 930, hey, why don't you come to the 8 that day? Or maybe you come to Saturday night instead. Because we know that there are going to be a bunch of people that come to church in that 9.30 and 11 o'clock hour that normally don't attend this church. So we want them to be here and hear the message. We don't want them to have problems finding parking or finding a seat because we don't want to distract from what God is going to do in their lives that day. So please, please, please consider coming to that 8 a.m. service. Now you go, Mel, I can't get up at 8 a.m. I understand, but you, you probably do every day to go to work. So help, help your pastor out. 
and give me a weekend where you come to church at 8 a.m. instead of 9.30 or 11, okay? I'm, I'm gently asking you to help me out with that so we can see more people save that weekend. So help us out. Easter weekend, invite a bunch of people, get them here. Also want to remind you, the following weekend, then this is um, April 2nd and 3rd, We've got invites like this one because Marion Jones is going to be with us that weekend. She's an Olympic track star. She won seven medals in her uh, Olympic track career. Um, she got arrested for lying to federal investigators about performance-enhancing drugs. She spent time in federal uh, federal prison system. When she came out, she decided she'd try her hand at professional basketball and played several seasons in the WNBA. And God has just done an incredible work in her life. She's going to be here with us that weekend sharing her testimony. And uh, you don't want to miss that as well. So be here those weekends. It's going to be incredible. And then the next weekend after that, sitting even in my notes, we've got baptisms the weekend after that. So we're shooting for 100 people baptized that weekend. And I'm excited about that. It's going to be great. The whole thing is going to be great. Be here for all those weeks. You won't regret it. Hey, I mentioned last weekend that we hired a youth pastor. And um, he was with us on Thursday. He drove into town and he picked out a house, and his wife wasn't with him, so be praying for their marriage. Because, um, <laughs> guys, we're utilitarian. You know, we're like Jeeps. Like, uh, we're just forgetting around. So it's like, yeah, what does that got? It's got walls and a, and a roof. Perfect. I love that. Let's do that, right? That's the way guys are, but women are like, oh, but this color's not right. And the flooring, and I don't know. And anyway, so uh, pray for them. It's sure. I'm sure it's going to be great, but... I'm not ready to stop talking yet. <laughs> That's what happens when we put Pastor Dick on the lights. Um, so they uh, they filmed a quick video, intro video for our youth ministry. We played that on Wednesday night for our students. And so um, uh, let me show that video to you so you can get a sense of who they are. So go ahead and roll that video, and you can turn the lights down now if you want to, Pastor Dick. Hi, guys. My name is Josh. This is my wife, Bryn. Uh, we're stoked to announce that we're going to be your guys' new youth pastors. We can't wait to get out there. We can't wait to meet you guys. And we can't wait to see what God has in store for us. Yeah, going to be awesome. We're going to have a ton of fun. We've got some cool trips that we're working on. We're going to plan some awesome events for you guys. We're going to have an awesome time. Uh, more importantly than that, though, we're going to work on deepening our faith with Christ and really seeking and finding out what God's plan for our lives and how we can be the men and women of God that he's called each and every one of us to be. So uh, you guys be in prayer as we make this transition got a few loose ends to tie up here in Lancaster uh, but as soon as we get that taken care of we're out to Indiana PA and we're gonna dive right in with you guys uh, and it's gonna be wonderful uh, so you guys have a great evening thank you so much for letting us come out and be a part of everything and we'll see you soon all right bye see you guys so Bryn um Josh's wife, she is giving her notice at work. She gave her notice this last week, so she's got a few weeks left before she can make the move. Uh, but Josh, he found a house, and so he's planning to be here with us next weekend. Originally, it was supposed to be April 1st. I, get, I wanted to give them plenty of time to transition, and he called me and said, Mel, is it okay if I start early? I'm like, Yeah. How about yesterday, right? Like, okay. So anyway, Josh is probably, unless something changes, he'll probably be with us next weekend. And if he is, I'll bring him up here and you'll get to meet him. And you, you won't be able to miss him. He is a hulk of a man. So uh, he's a big dude. 
Uh, we're starting a new series today, and the series we're starting is called Sweet Dreams, and the byline is, What Keeps You Awake at Night? Because all of us have things that we think about. All of us have things that weigh on us from time to time. In fact, the world we live in today is a world that tells us we should be afraid. If you, if you watch the news, they tell you what you need to be afraid about over and over and over even if you don't watch the news, if you're watching your favorite show, they'll come on and do like a 10-second intro or promo for the 11 o'clock news, and they might say something like, is the pain in your child's bedroom killing them? Find out at 11. Well, if my child is dying from the pain, tell me now, right? Like, what are you doing? But what they're trying to do is gives you, give you a sense of fear to draw you in to their show. Now, the world we live in tells us you need to be scared. You need to be afraid of the other political party right? You need to be afraid of the other politicians in your party. You need to be afraid of terrorism. You need to be afraid of people that are a different race than you. You need to be afraid of the Zika virus. I'm a little afraid of the Zika virus, and I'm not even trying to get pregnant, right? What if I have a baby, and the baby's, ah, right? Like, wait a second. I don't need to be afraid of that. But the world tells us that we need to be afraid, tells us to be fearful. And the truth is, if you look at stats, 40 million Americans live with an anxiety disorder. Now, it's one thing to have anxiety. It's another thing to have an anxiety disorder. All of us, at some, at some point, deal with anxiety. We deal with stress. We deal with a little bit of fear. But an anxiety disorder takes it a step further, and it prevents us from functioning in a normal way. So it prevents us from having normal relationships because maybe we've got anxiety about leaving the house or anxiety about being in a crowd or anxiety about whatever it might be. So what happens is it prevents us from living a normal lifestyle. Now, if you're here today and you've got an anxiety disorder, I want you to know there's no guilt. There's no condemnation. Um, there's no shame in that. We believe that God can break the stronghold in your life, that God can help you with that. And so if you're here today and that's you and you're dealing with that, I want you to know that God wants to set you free, that you don't have to live like that anymore. So during the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about fear because the truth is all of us at some level or another deal with fear. And in, in fact, uh, I want to share a few fears with you this morning. And over the next few weeks, I'll share some with you as well. Um, these are not my personal fears granted, but uh, these are all fears that have actually been diagnosed clinically to people um, here in the United States. If you're here today and you deal with ecclesiophobia, you're probably freaking out a little because ecclesiophobia is the fear of church. Some of you think, I think my husband might have ecclesiophobia, right? <laughs> he won't step foot in this place. Maybe he's got melophobia. Maybe you've got syngensophobia is the fear of relatives. You're like, what's the fear of my wife's relatives? <laughs> I've got that one, right? Uh, but this is a real thing. Maybe you are afraid of your relatives. I've got a few relatives I'm a little afraid of too. I get that. I grew up having a fear of the darkness. It's ligophobia. I, I told the crowd last night that uh, I still deal with that. I got my Spider-Man light light that I've referenced before. My wife doesn't mind it because it kind of puts off this romantic ambiance in the room, that red light. I'm like, hey, baby. Spider-Man says it's time for bed. <laughs> My wife is mortified right now. <laughs> if you've got a teenage son, 
Your teenage son might be dealing with this fear. It's a real fear, clinically diagnosed. It's a blutophobia. And it's a fear of washing or bathing. Right now, some of your parents, the parents in the room are like, oh my gosh, they really do have a blutophobia. I just realized, like, that's the deal. I just thought they were filthy, but they're not. If you're a parent that has a child with a blutophobia, you might be dealing with uh, bromidrophobia, which is the fear of body smells. That's a real thing. Nobody really laughed at all, body smells. That drove me crazy. Like, how can you be afraid of body smells? What if, what if I smell somebody else's body? Will you step away, right? Like, you, you lean further out. You put your head out the window. It's subtle. Um, but these are all real fears that people really deal with. And maybe you're here and you have bromidrophobia and you're afraid of body smells. Uh, maybe you're here today and maybe you're afraid of the dark. Whatever it is, it's okay. But it's not okay to stay in that place. It's not okay to let fear grip us. And so that's what this series is all about. It's about taking control of our life back. And maybe, maybe more realistically, giving control to our Heavenly Father of our lives and letting him help us navigate that fear. So today we're going to talk just for a few minutes about the fear of the unknown. And... If we're going to be honest, um, the fear of the unknown is huge. Probably many of us in this room deal with the fear of the unknown, Uh, not just dealing with the future, but just the unknown around us. What does my life look like? How do these things impact me? Um, What are my kids going to turn out like? What is is the current state of my job, and am I going to have a job? And, And there's so many unknown factors in our life that it's easy to let that fear take hold of us. And there's a verse I want to share with you. Pastor Dick referenced it earlier, and this is just how God works. He didn't know that I was going to share this verse, but he shared it anyway. Um, But this is from John chapter 14. This is Jesus talking, and it starts in verse 26, and it says this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And I want to make you a little uncomfortable, is that okay? We normally don't do this at the summit, but I'm going to do this anyway. Put that scripture back up there on the screen if you don't mind, guys. And, uh, and we're going to read this verse together. You're like, out loud? Yes, out loud. So read this along with me. It might be a little awkward at first, but it'll be fine. Verse 26, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now this is so important that I wanted to make you read it And say it out loud. I want to get this in your brain. I want you to know this is what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying to his disciples, he's he's describing that the Holy Spirit is going to come to them as he transitions out of this world. He's he's going to be crucified. So he's explaining to them, the Holy Spirit's going to come into my place. And one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to be a helper. And he says, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. 
Now, let me circle back to that part. He says, peace I leave with you. So Jesus says, I'm going to be gone, but I'm going to leave you peace. Aren't you thankful that Jesus leaves his peace for us? But he doesn't just leave us peace. He says, my peace I give to you. So he says, the same portion of peace that I had, the same peace that I had that allowed me to die on the cross, that allowed me to endure the suffering, that allowed me to, to navigate that situation, that peace that I have is yours for your situation. I'm not just giving you a portion of peace. I am leaving my peace for you as an inheritance, as a son and daughter of God. He said, not as the world gives. He said, the world, the world says, hey, you can have peace if you just do this or if you just act this way. But Jesus says, no, 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 my peace is different than that. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is saying, we have a choice when it comes to fear. We have, we have a decision to make when it comes to anxiety in our lives. And you say, but Mel, um, I can't help but being afraid. And I get it. This is why I'm the world's worst counselor. Because, like, have you ever talked to somebody and you're like, yeah, um, I'm a little nervous about that. Why? I don't know, I'm just nervous. Well, don't be nervous. But I'm nervous. Well, don't be. Like, that's me. I'm your friend that says, well, just don't be nervous, right? But this is what Jesus is saying in some ways. He's saying, hey, just... Just don't be afraid. Don't let your heart to be troubled. Don't be afraid. But the reason he can say that is because he's leaving his peace. He's leaving the Holy Spirit for us. And what the Holy Spirit function, what he does, one of the things he does, is he brings to remembrance the words of Jesus. He brings to remembrance who it is Jesus is, how he functions, how he acts. So as we bring that back to our remembrance, it helps us not have fear because we can function in the faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? Because I'm going to give away the end of my message right now. Um, faith is the antidote to fear. If you're dealing with fear, the only way you can overcome that fear is faith in your life. In the South, you got poisonous snakes, and crazy people will do like rattlesnake roundups, and inevitably some redneck will get bitten by a rattlesnake and have to take him to the hospital. They take him to the hospital, and they give them antivenom, right? And antivenom, it, it stops the venom from flowing. It, it kills the venom, if I can say it like that. And, and what kills the venom of fear in your life is faith. When we inject faith into our life, when we have a good understanding of who Jesus is, what his character is, and what he's doing in our life, it helps prevent the flow of fear in our lives. So faith is the antidote to fear. Now, when I was thinking through this, this message, um, Gosh, I will be honest with you. I, I prepped my messages a while ahead of time, and I'd prepped my, this message a few weeks ago. And when I came back to it this week, I had to change it. I felt like, oh, this isn't this isn't working like I thought it would. And and I have this passage of scripture that doesn't make a lot of sense when it comes to fear, but stay with me. In the book of Exodus, there's a story about the Israelites. They were in captivity in Egypt, and in fact, um, they were slaves. And so they were working long hours in brutal conditions. Uh, they weren't cared for very well. Um, their children were forced into labor. Their old men were working. I mean, it was brutal conditions. And they were crying out to the Lord. And the Lord sent a deliverer. It was Moses. And uh, we'll get into his story a little bit in a few weeks. But Moses, he shows up on the scene. And if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, the real Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, he says, let my people go, that whole thing. Like, Charlton Heston shows up in Egypt. He's talking to the Pharaoh, and he tells, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to. So the Lord sends all these plagues on Egypt. It's crazy. All these plagues descend one by one. Um, frogs and locusts and all these different plagues infest Egypt. 
And it's a sign to the Egyptians. And finally, they're like, just get out of here. Fine, we're done. And so they leave, and the Israelites are leaving, and as they're leaving, God says, hey, and by the way, why don't you take some of that wealth for yourselves? So the Egyptians actually give some of their wealth to the Israelites, and they're like, just please go, right? I've, I've, I've had some dates like that where the girl was like, just please take me home, right? Like, okay, I'm done. Not lately, not lately, years ago. So here we are in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew, okay, let me stop here. What happened was, they left, and then Pharaoh was like, wait a second, all of our labor just left. We have no way to make money now. We better go get these people back. So in verse 10, it says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. There were millions of Israelites, and they looked, and there were maybe tens of thousands of Egyptians coming their way, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? <laughs> like, I can be fairly sarcastic, but that's just mean, right? They said, is there not enough graves in Egypt Do we have to die out here? You're going to kill us? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, listen to this. He says, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only be silent. This is what Moses says. He says, you don't need to be afraid because the Lord's gonna fight your battle for you. You think you've gotta come up with a victory? Why are you worried about it? God's got this victory. And I love what he says. He basically says, this is, this is my paraphrased version. He says, God's job is to show up. Your job is to shut up. <laughs> now, now, of course, he didn't say it like that. He said, it's your job to be silent, right? But that is basically what he said because trouble comes, uncertainty comes, an unknown future comes. When the unknown begins to come in, the, Egyptian, the Israelites are saying, what are we going to do? How's this situation going to turn out? This seems like a crisis. It seems desperate. And God says, I've got this. Stop complaining. What are you worried about? And then in verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. It's like Moses hears, he's like, okay, let me talk to God about this. And he goes to God, and God's like, I don't know why you're looking at me. Just go, like, just move, get going, right? The people of Israel were crying out, and it didn't stop there. Um, if, you, if you look on in the story over and over and over, they grumbled against the Lord, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But if you look in verse 10, it says, they feared greatly. Why would they fear greatly? Because they had seen God work in incredible ways. They had seen the plagues. They had seen him at work. Um, they had seen how they were spared from the atrocities of the plagues and how God worked against Egypt and blessed his people. So they had seen all this. So why were they afraid? Shouldn't they, shouldn't they have known that God's going to work on our side, that God's going to work this out? And I've got... I've got Two ideas here. I think, number one, everything to them was new. None of the people knew what freedom was like. None of the Israelites knew how to live in freedom. And so when they left Egypt, as bad as Egypt was, it was slavery, it was captivity. They didn't know freedom. And they left, and it was new. And new things are scary. Can we be honest? That's why you got to give your child a pep talk when they go to school the first day, right? Right? It's going to be okay. You're going to be great. Those kids are going to love you. You're going to be fantastic. I, you got this. Ready? Yeah, let's go. Like, you're pumping them up. You might have to do the same thing for your husband. He's going to work. He's like, I'm the new kid, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you're like, you got this thing. Let's go, right? 
New, new things are scary. And everything for the Israelites were new. They, they, were, they were trying to figure this thing out because it was all unknown. I think that's the first thing. But I, I really believe the second thing is they'd seen God do incredible things, but they didn't truly know the God of incredible things. They'd seen God work, but I don't think they really knew God. And this is really, really, really important because they believed in God, but they didn't know God. How many, is anybody on Twitter? I know some of you are, but you're not going to raise your hand. Anybody on Twitter? Five of you. Five people on Twitter. That's an outlier. It's problems for Twitter. It's shutting down. So on Twitter, the great thing about Twitter, even on Facebook, the great thing about social media is you can connect with celebrities, right? Uh, you, you don't know uh, your favorite movie star personally, but on Twitter, you can follow them, and you can see them tweet pictures of their baby with crazy names like Cakeface. Here's my child, Cakeface. And you're like, Cakeface? And they're like, yeah, it's cool, it's French. I'm like, what does that mean? Here's my child, Blanket. Really, the child's name is Blanket. Like, come on. How about Kate or Bob or Jim, right? Um, and so they tweet pictures of their children. They show you, here's what I'm having for lunch today. All these things, and you get a sense that you know them a little bit. Maybe your favorite athlete, maybe your favorite politician, probably not favorite politician. Um, but you know these people, you get to know them, you get a sense for who they are. And we get to know some facts and some figures about who they are. But if you showed up at their house and rang the doorbell, bing bong, who is it? It's me, Mel Massingale. Do I know you? No, but I follow you on Twitter. Please let me in. We want to hang out. Like uh, The police are on their way. Please leave, right? And if, if Beyonce would just respond to one of my letters, she would be able to drop the uh, restraining order. I'm sure of it, right? Like, I'm sure we could be friends. But that's how we view things. We think that we know them, but we don't know them. We see them from a distance. We know some facts about them, but there's no relationship. See, there's no access because there's no relationship. And this is where the Israelites were. They knew who God was. They believed that he was God, but there was not access because there was no relationship. There was not a level of trust because there was no relationship. And if you look in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you know what James says? He says, You, you think you get... You think you get participation points for believing in God? Demons believe in God. <laughs> that doesn't save them. What saves them is relationship with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus. That's what makes the difference. So belief isn't enough. Having knowledge isn't enough. It's got to be about the relationship. If you go on to Exodus chapter 15, fast forward a chapter, the children of Israel were looking for water. Again, they're in the desert. They're looking for water, and they come upon this, this stream or this brook, and it's called Mara because it's bitter. This water just tastes terrible. And so this is what it says in verse 24. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. So what, what do they do? They go, This water tastes bad. We can't drink it. And God hates us, and Moses hates us, and mmm. So God goes, okay, see that log, throw it in the water, it'll be sweet. You need to try that. Some of you are on well water, it tastes funny. Just throw a tree in there, it'll be fine, right? And God took care of it. They grumbled and God responded anyway. If you look down in verse chapter 16, in verse 2, it says, 
And the whole congregation, and when it says whole congregation, literally millions of people. Like, you think people don't like you. Millions of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. They were hungry. They were saying, we don't have any meat. We don't have enough food. And they said, oh, oh, if we were just back in slavery again, if we were just back in captivity, our lives would have been so much better. Back when we were in slavery, we had pots full of meat. and We had bread to eat. But here in the wilderness, it's horrible. And they're griping and they're complaining. They're grumbling. And when I I look at this, I can't help but think that we are not too dissimilar. Because when the unknown comes our way, we default to the things we trust in the most. We default back to the things that we love the most in some cases. And so you see here, the people of Israel didn't go, you know what, God, but you're good. I know you're going to take care of us. Even though they'd seen God work over and over and over, there was not the faith. There was not the relationship. So what did they default back to? They defaulted back to Moses because they knew Moses. He had garnered their trust. He had built a rapport, and he had led them out of Egypt. So they said, Moses, this is your fault. It's your fault. You're the one. They defaulted back to him instead of God. They thought he was the one leading them, but it wasn't Moses. It was God. So they defaulted back to Moses. But then they go a step further, and they go, we would have rather been in slavery than here, having to trust God. Why in the world would they say that? Because they, they say the known of slavery is better than the unknown of trusting God here in the wilderness. Because what if God doesn't provide for us? What if God doesn't show up? What if God doesn't help me? And today there are people in this room that are making the same decision. There's some of you ladies, you've been in an abusive relationship for years, and it's because the fear of the unknown is worse than the fear of the known. You justify it and say, well, he didn't really mean it. Well, he loves me. Well, I don't know how I'd make it. And so over and over and over you justify it and say, the fear of the unknown is worse than what I'm dealing with. And just like the Israelites said, I'd rather be in captivity, in slavery, at least I knew what I was dealing with, than on my own in freedom. Some of you make the same decision. Some of you go to a job every day that you hate, and you know that God has spoken to you to do something else in your life. And every day you go to the same job, and you hate it, and a little piece of you dies every day. But the fear of the unknown is worse than the fear of the known. So you go back to slavery every day. Every day you go back to that. And God's got a bigger plan for you. He's got something else for you. But the fear of the unknown is bigger than the fear of the known. We choose slavery over freedom every day. See, when you look at this, it's easy to think that the people that were grumbling were evil, right? It's easy to look at that and go, well, they, they just clearly don't love God. I don't believe that was the case at all because I believe that a symptom of, uh, that grumbling is a symptom of fearful hearts. So when we're afraid, when we're walking through an unknown situation, it is easy for us to begin to grumble. It's easy for us to go, well, maybe my wife doesn't really care about me because of the situation. She said something to me. Maybe, maybe this church, maybe God, and we start to question things and we start to grumble a little bit. And it's not because we're evil. It's because fear has gripped our hearts. There's an antidote to that, and the antidote to fear is faith. God wants us to live faithful, powerful lives. 
We'll come to that in a moment. In Exodus chapter 20, if you fast forward a couple chapters, God is giving the, the law to Moses. He's giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. And it's up on Mount Sinai. And, and listen to verse 18. It says, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. So what are they saying? They're saying, Moses, we acknowledge that God wants to have a relationship with us, but if we're gonna be honest, that's terrifying. We don't know God, so we don't know if we can trust God. Yeah, he's provided for us, he's helped us, he's blessed us, but we're still not sure, so we want to keep him at arm's length. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. See, there are a lot of people that have done the same thing that the Israelites have done. We're a little scared of what a relationship with God would look like. What, what if he calls me to give something up? What if he calls me to break off a relationship? What if he calls me to, to move to another state or another country? What if I truly trust God and then he asks something from me? I'll just be honest with you. If you really trust God, he will ask something from you. I guarantee it. It is it is. It is 100% sure that if you trust God with your life, he's going to ask something from you. But what you get in return is worth it every single time. So we deal with all these unknowns, but what if God asks us? And so instead of trusting God, we keep him at arm's length. And we go, okay, you know what? I want, I want a relationship with God, but I don't want that kind of relationship with God. So I'm going to come to church but I just, I want to hear from God through Pastor Mel. Pastor Mel, you hear from God and you tell me what he says. Or some of you here, maybe you do that with your family. You're like, eh, my mom and dad, they're really religious. I, I don't need to hear from God. I'll just hear from God through my family. And God is not interested in having a relationship with you like that. God wants to know you personally and he wants you to know him Personally, there's none of this proxy junk where we say, hey, I'm going to have an intermediary in between. That is why Jesus did what he did, was to tear the veil down, tear the curtain down, so that man and God can be face to face with one another. And that's what he desires. That's what he wants from us. And that's what he, more importantly, that's what he wants for us. If you look, this last verse is so powerful. Verse 21 says, the people stood far off. Again, the writer of Exodus, probably Moses, he, he reiterates. It says earlier in verse 18, the people were, were afraid and they stood far off. And then it comes back again in verse 21. He says it again to emphasize it. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. See, the people kept God at an arm's length distance. They said, no, 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 this seems dangerous. It seems risky. I don't know what this holds. This seems uncertain. It seems unknown. They said, Moses, you go for us. And Moses said, you don't have any reason to be afraid. There's no reason to fear. God, God wants you to see what's in you when you experience the fear of the Lord. And it says the people retreated. The people stayed at a distance. And Moses advanced into the thick, deep darkness where God was. There's a passage of scripture in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
See, when we look at the thick darkness in our lives, when we look at the unknown of our lives, it can be terrifying. But what we have to understand is if God is who he claims he is, God is present in the thick darkness. Then when we're walking through our unknown, God is there with us. And it makes it very clear in James that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So what Moses understood because of his intimacy with the Lord is that he was going to walk in to this unknown darkness. And he was going to be just fine because the God of the known was in the unknown. He was there with Moses when Moses walked in. And he drew near to God. And the beautiful thing about our God is when we draw near to him, when we show even a sign that we're interested in relationship, he will turn and pursue us back. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, the unknown things won't terrify us because God is in the midst of the darkness with us. I heard a story recently about an Arab chief during World War I um, he was telling this story about this general in the Persian army. And it was customary for Persian generals to execute spies. So there was this one general in particular that when it came to executions, he handled it a little differently. So he would march the person who's condemned to die into this room with the firing squad. And there was this big black door in the room. And it was customary for him to give them a choice between the firing squad and the big black door, beyond which no one knew what lied. And so this spy had been caught and convicted, and he had been brought into this room. And the general asks this, this spy who's condemned to death, he said, well, what will it be? Will it be the firing squad or will it be the big black door? And the spy stood there what seemed like an eternity as he weighed his options. And finally, he spoke and said, I choose the firing squad. So the general and his aide walked out of the room, and as they walked away, the gunshots echoed through the halls, and as the last crack of the gunshot faded into uh, oblivion, he couldn't hear anything else, the general said they always choose the firing squad. They always choose the firing squad, even though we give them a choice. They prefer the known to the unknown. People fear what they do not know, even though we give them an option. And the aide asked the general, he said, sir, what lies beyond the big black door? And the general replied, freedom. He said, freedom, but I've only known a few men brave enough to take that door. See, what we have to understand in our lives is the best opportunities that God brings to us are often hidden behind the door of the unknown in our lives. It's often hidden behind the big black door, which seems terrifying and scary and unknowable. But what we have to understand is the God of the universe, the God we serve, holds the unknown in the palm of his hand. And he is willing to lead us through the unknown to the other side if we'll simply trust him, if we'll simply put our faith in him, if we'll simply choose to know him and be in relationship with him. See, there's a passage in Romans and it says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How do we grow our faith? How do we fight fear? It's by knowing the heart of Jesus. 
by putting his word in us, by reading the word of God, by praying, by spending time with him, we get to know his character and nature, and we begin to allow our lives to be conformed to his. When we know Jesus, when we know God, we can, we can fight that fear without all of us deal with. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you, and I'm thankful that you're here among us today. Lord, we have nothing to fear because you are with us. So God, I pray right now you'd speak into us, open our hearts to respond to you. Have your way among us, Lord. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask you today, maybe you're here and you say, Mel, I've been trying to live my own life, trying to do my own thing, and I've been afraid of trusting God with my life. I've been afraid of giving my life to him because so much of it is unknown. So much of it is a little bit scary but you acknowledge and you say, today I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna have a, a relationship with God. I don't wanna just be religion, but I wanna know God today. And I wanna take advantage of that because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price for your sin so that you could know God. Now, if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment, but I'm not gonna make you come forward. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I wanna pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, I'm tired of living my own life. I wanna trust God. Even if it's unknown, I want to trust him. I want to make him Lord of my life. If that's you, would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? I just want to pray with you. Thank you, ma'am, on my right. Thank you on my far right over here. Thank you. Thank you in the center section, sir. Thank you, ma'am, over here on my far left. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir, on my left. Awesome. Thank you, ma'am, up in the balcony. Thank you over here on my right in the balcony. Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Another hand over here on my right. Awesome. Another person on my left. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Praise the Lord. This is what I want to do. I want to say a really simple prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me, whether you raised your hand or not. Say this prayer out loud. Let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give my life to you. And it's a little scary. But I choose to trust you with the unknown. Take my life and use it for your glory. Thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. I am yours. Thank you that you are mine. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on, let's give God a round of applause this morning. Now listen, if you're here today and you said that prayer and you meant it, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed it and you meant it, there's a card like this one in the seat back in front of you. Fill this card out. Drop it in one of our offering boxes. There's one up in the balcony. There's a couple in the back of the room here. Let us know about your decision. We want to help you take the next step to grow in your relationship with God so you can know Him fully. We want to help you with that. And a couple things you can do as well, you can sign up for baptisms out in the lobby. You can sign up there on our website at summittogether.com. That's uh, March 19th and 20th. We would love for you to be a part. No, 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 that's Easter egg hunt. It's a few weeks after that, whatever the date is. So sign up for our baptisms. That would be April 9th and 10th. Thanks, Todd. Yeah. So April 9th and 10th is baptism. Sign up out there on our website. And also Pastor Dick's got a, a group that he leads called Starting Point. If you're new to your faith or trying to figure out how to take the next step and how to grow, this is a great way to do it. So you can sign up for that in the lobby as well. Please take advantage of that. Stand your feet all over the room. 
Our worship team is going to lead us in one more song, and then Todd will dismiss us in just a moment. But while they're leading us, our prayer team's on either side of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason today, we want to pray with you. So if you're here today and you're dealing with fear, let us know. Come pray with us. We want to help you. If you're here today and you've got marital issues, you got health issues, financial issues, whatever your problem is, we want to pray with you about whatever whatever is happening in your life. We're believing that God can break through. Guys, I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Let's worship together.
God, we are made strong in you. In your name we are found. And your perfect love casts out all fear. So God, make us brave. God, make us bold. Lord, teach us to fall fully upon you, to trust in who you are. God, I pray as we prepare to leave today that you would God, just strengthen us by your grace and by your spirit. Help us, God, to be people who give. Lord, whether it's of our tithe, our money, or our time, or our abilities, God, in every way, make us a generous people. Let our lives be an offering to you. And Lord, as we trust you, as we are faithful over the little things, your promise to us is that you will increase our dominion. You will increase our responsibilities. You will make us ruler, your word says, over many. So God, we seek these things not, not so that we might have more, you know, wasted on ourselves. But God, let us be a people who cry out for your blessing so that we might bless others, so that we might make every life different for your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I love you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness to give.